The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus said to his disciples, If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have won over your brother. If he does not listen, take one or two others along with you, so that every fact may be established on the testimony of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen, to them tell the church. If he refuses to listen even to the church, then treat him as you would a Gentile or a tax collector. Amen, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, amen, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything for which they are to pray, it shall be granted to them by my heavenly Father. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. The Gospel of the Lord. Back whenever I was in high school, I was just kind of starting to get into my faith. And one of the treasures that I discovered within the Catholic Church are the seven works of, excuse me, the seven spiritual works of mercy. And once I discovered these things, I was utterly fascinated by them. Such good advice that if you want to be merciful to somebody in a spiritual way, not in a corporal way, then here are seven ways to do it. One of which instruct the instruct the excuse me instruct the ignorant. The other counsel the doubtful, bear patiently those who wrong us, forgive offenses, comfort the afflicted, and pray for the living and the dead. All these, I think, all of us would agree, are very merciful acts. But there's one here that at least pricked my conscience whenever I was in high school, and to some extent still is a little, kind of sticks out. And it's the third one. To admonish the sinners. On what planet is that a merciful act? I remember thinking back in high school. Sounds judgmental. Sounds a little self-righteous. Sounds like downright being a jerk. And really, I think for the longest time, a lot of us kind of feel this way. We see people doing wrong, and we're like, eh, who am I to judge? Let me kind of avoid this. Let me just kind of scoot around this issue. Let me not say anything. And I think this is a problem that often plagues us, especially us as millennials, because we're not really big on confrontation. We like, to, we like tolerance, and that has its place. In fact, it has its place within these spiritual works of mercy, to bear patiently those who wrong us. So how does this third counsel admonished sinners, actually fit as a work of mercy and not some work of justice. And I think our first reading really shows us why it is a mercy. Why it's a mercy to three different entities. A mercy to the church, a mercy to others, and most importantly, and surprisingly, a mercy to ourselves. My friends, in our first reading, we have God speaking to Ezekiel. Now, Ezekiel was a prophet living in Old Testament Israel. And a prophet is one commissioned specifically by God to speak the truth, to speak the words of God. Now, one interesting aspect about prophets 
is that almost every time God raised a prophet, then Israel, in the Old Testament, Israel was at war with some other entity. And they were meant to counsel the, the kings and the leaders on how to wage war, when to form alliances, when to surrender, when to do this, that, and the other. In, uh, in this reading, to kind of add on to this war imagery, he calls Ezekiel a watchman. A watchman is a guy who is commissioned to man a post whenever a city is at war to make sure the enemy doesn't sneak up on him. In fact, a watchman is so important that if you're appointed watch in the United States Army, Marines, Navy, whatever, and you fall asleep during your post, you're going to be thrown in Fort Leavenworth for a number of years. You'll be thrown in military prison. It's a capital crime to fall asleep on watch. It's one of the most important jobs that we have. But another thing about this is he's also not just a watchman. He's a watchman over the entire house of Israel. And the reason why this is such a big deal is because all of this, the idea that we have here in our Old Testament reading a prophet as a watchman in a time of war over the house of Israel, is that it all applies to us. You see, you and I, we're actually commissioned prophets. We don't really remember it for most of us because it happened whenever we were baptized. Whenever we were baptized, we received a threefold office. Priest, to offer sacrifice to God. King, to rule over those that which, which belongs to us and give glory to God. And prophet, which means we were commissioned to speak the truth. But not only is that important here, there's something else even more fascinating. You see, in this first reading, Ezekiel is commissioned a prophet over the house of Israel. And the beautiful aspect about that is that the house of Israel is just a prefigurement, a foreshadowing of the Catholic Church that we have now. Which means that whenever he's, he's talking about you, a prophet, a watchman over the house of Israel, he might as well be talking to us and giving us wonderful instruction. Because, my friends, the house of Israel is just an Old Testament way of saying the church. And there's so much of the church now has in common with the house of Israel back then. The church, like Israel, is at war. But it's not against an earthly kingdom like Israel was. No, this kingdom is far more worse, far more devious. It's not an earthly kingdom, it's a kingdom of darkness, a spiritual kingdom. The leader is the devil. His ammunition, temptation, and his goal is to afflict every single one of us with a mortal sin so that we might be dragged to the absolute pit of hell. And if we're waging war against this kingdom, then that makes a church an army, making us soldiers. And guys, no one appreciates good correction more than soldiers. Because every soldier knows that an army, like a chain, is only as strong as its weakest link. And there is nothing that weakens the chain of God's army than a mortally wounded member. That's why admonition is known as merciful. Because, my friends, whenever we're mortally wounded, not only does the guy next to us suffer, not only do we suffer, but the whole church does, because we fight as an army. That's why it's so important to correct those who participate in mortal sin. Drunkenness, missing mass, sexual issues, receiving communion under mortal sin, these problems 
are real problems that afflict the church. Just like a, a lazy soldier is a real problem to the army. It stifles our ability to fight. It stifles our ability to resist the kingdom of darkness. And it stifles our ability to evangelize. How many people do we know avoid the Catholic Church because we just act like everybody else? We are no different if we just sin around and act like it's all going to be okay. Act like God is just going to somehow be loving and merciful. That's absolutely not what our first reading shows us at all. In fact, our first reading shows us after God commissions Ezekiel as the watchman of Israel, he tells them, when you hear me say anything, you warn them for me. As if to say, warn your brothers. And here's how it works. He says, if I tell the wicked, a wicked one, you shall surely die. And you do not speak out and dissuade the wicked from his way. Not only will a wicked die from his guilt, but he will hold you responsible for his death. Can you imagine if a platoon of soldiers walked into an ambush and a guy knew about it and a guy saw that coming and didn't say anything and the army later found out about it? Can you imagine the consequences that that guy will face? It's no different for us. If we see friends, if we see family, if we see buddies openly committing mortal sin and we say nothing with our silence, acting like it's okay, it's like watching them walk into a trap and saying absolutely nothing. If that isn't a sin and if that isn't unmerciful, I don't know what is. But how do we do this? How do we effectively admonish people without sounding like a jerk? Without looking judgmental. And honestly, the best person who does this, I am not kidding, is Mother Angelica. Go on YouTube and research Mother Angelica and you will find the most delightful person that tells you you're going to hell that you could ever imagine. <laughs> it's incredible. She will look at you and say, you are going to hell, sweetheart, and all your reaction can be is, oh, that's adorable. <laughs> I've never seen anything like it. It's absolutely incredible. It's actually the reason why I feel confident in preaching about hell at all. I'm like, wow. If she can get all these hits on YouTube, she can run the most successful evangelical Catholic news network by telling people they're going to hell? This is amazing. But she does it not because she's all fire and brimstone, but because every time you see her talk, you can't help but get the unbelievable feeling that she loves you. That woman loves God. And because she loves God so much, she loves us. And yet, dare I say, if you go up to her, and she's passed on, God rest her soul. But if you were to have gone up to her and asked her mother, why do you always talk about hell all the time? What she would probably say was so that I don't go to hell. And that's exactly what this reading is all about. What this, what Ezekiel, what the Lord tells Ezekiel after he warns Ezekiel what would happen to him if he died, if he, if, if he did not warn the sinner to stop sinning, after he does that, he says, but if you do warn the wicked, if you do tell them to stop sinning, if you, do, if you do tell them to turn away from this junk and they don't respond, they will die, but you will be saved. That's why correcting the sinner not only is merciful to the church, to others, but it's also merciful to yourself. 
Because in correcting the sinner, you are doing your, your just duty by warning him what he does. By seeking at least to try to save his life. Not by lecturing him, not by getting in his face, not by doing that, but doing like what Jesus said. Revealing his faults one-on-one. I mean, think of a wartime situation. Imagine a guy has a giant gash in his chest. All you got to do is say, hey, bud, you do realize you're kind of bleeding right there. You might want to like check this out. You might want to go patch this up. It's the same thing with mortal sin. It's no different. To commit mortal sin is to effectively end your spiritual life here on earth. And if you and I don't go out and seek to bind those wounds, we're being just like the priest and just like the Levite in the story of the Good Samaritan. We're just walking on by as as that good Jew is in the pit, beaten up, dirtied, and robbed. We are no different. That's what this is all about. That's why it's a mercy to correct. To correct another man who's going to, to hell through mortal sin is essentially picking him up or seeking to pick him up out of the muddy ditch and healing those awful wounds that he brought upon himself. It's one of the greatest acts of mercy anyone could ever do because that's what we're all about, guys. We're not about beating anybody down. We're not about condemning them just for the heck of it. We're about healing wounds. And that's what, that's what this correction is all about. That's why this is a mercy, to go forth and to heal wounds. And some people might not be interested in the healing. And you know what? That's okay. At least you tried. At least you tried. That's what the reading says here too. Don't bug them. Don't pester them. Don't be annoying. But they have to at least know where you stand. That you don't approve this sinful behavior. That you don't approve these problems. My friends, if we can do that, if we can truly go out and be merciful and bind the wounds of our fellow soldiers, bind the wounds of our fellow brothers, our fellow Catholics, I believe we too will know what it's like to dwell in the kingdom of heaven. God bless.